I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is with Ryan Lavner. Uh, Ryan works at Golf Channel. You've seen his writing. He's been there for a while. He's uh, he's a writer. He's on air. He's uh, on live from. He'll be prominently featured in the upcoming NCAA championship uh, telecast, uh, the national championships for uh, men's and women's golf. And he will be on the ground at Oak Hill, uh, as well as he does podcasts. He's got the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav. So uh, he came on to talk, uh, do our Five Things podcast with about the PGA and Oak Hill. I thought it was a fantastic uh, conversation, but I'm obviously biased. You guys can listen. But uh, I was really excited to talk to him. He is a, uh, a Western New York native. So he's going a bit of a homecoming and uh, really excited uh, uh, to just talk Oak Hill and the PGA. It is, uh, it's awesome that our second major's here. And uh, without further ado, here is Ryan Lavner. I'm, I'm excited to be joined here by one of the, I, I, can I call you a founding resident of Nocatee? No. No. no, you certainly can't. Like it was definitely established before I moved here. When when was it established? What year? I don't know. Probably like a, a decade or so ago. I think it was just a swamp. Like we were we're three miles from the ocean. So uh, yeah, I think it was a swamp until it was inhabited ten fifteen years ago. And then somebody had a dream of turning it into a town. Yes, turning it into like the Truman Show, and now it's and now it's and now it's just flourishing. So you, so your little town there, south of Ponte Vedra, you can you can just do you can ride a golf cart around. It, it, it sounds like a wonderful place. The most is it? Would you make an argument that it's the most convenient town in America? Most convenient town, uh, certainly where I'm located. Like if you've ever been to TBC Sawgrass, we're like 15 minutes from there. And if you're coming from 95, you probably went on this road called 210, and you drive past this Publix, and so it's like downtown Nocatee. I live walking distance. From that public. So like I never get in the car unless I'm driving to like Home Depot or Target or something like that. Otherwise, I'm just like cruising around in my golf cart. Like it's a great, great place to to raise kids. You can and then you can take your kids to school in the golf cart. Yes. Daycare is literally a block and a half away. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's amazing. Like I was running late. I was running late yesterday and just like floored it and was there in 12 seconds. That's I in my in my hometown. Um, I'm close. I'm close to downtown um, and I can walk. I, I rarely get in my car when I'm home. It's like a once, you know, I have to be venturing out somewhere to get to get in the car. I can do every ta- task. It's so underrated. It's like it's such an inconvenience having to get into the car. Like I had to start my car recently to like make sure it still works. <laughs> like I never, ever fill up. <laughs> It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's one way one way to to save, you know, to to reduce your uh emissions, your your gas emissions. It's just uh, next year next year's players championship, you're coming over. We'll grill out in the backyard. I'll take you to the water park. I'll get you a $3 beer. Uh we can get some chicken tenders. 
at the food there's hut. There's a water like, park? A great time. Yes. Oh. We live a half mile from a water park. Two of them. Not just one. Two of them. Like legit designed by like the Disney engineers. Like they're so legit. <laughs> um. All right, Ryan, you're you're on. You're, when do you head up to Rochester? Uh, I fly on Monday morning. So although Nocatee is my current home, Rochester, New York uh, is my old home. I, my dad lives about three miles from there. I grew up in Canadagua, uh, which is one of the Finger Lakes, about 30 minutes south of Oak Hill. So uh, this is a uh, much anticipated home game for me, to be honest. Ah, that's, uh, that's delightful. Are you staying with your dad? I am staying with my dad. What a, what a wonderful uh, week for you ahead. I know. I needed to secure one of those parking passes where I can actually park on property and not have to go through the uh, uh, rerouting that I think every other BD member is going to have. What's your What's your favorite part of that area? Give us a little bit of uh, insight here. I I didn't plan this, but I would love uh, you know some upstate New York. Uh, you know what What's the best part about upstate New York? First of all, it's Western New York. Western. Yeah, yeah we take actually great exception. Uh, when people say it's upstate. Could it be western slash upstate? It couldn't. It could Nope. Okay. <laughs> it, most, it most certainly could not. Um, I, I, I love it. Uh, I miss it. Obviously, the best part is is the seasons. And, and now living in Florida, that's that's kind of been eliminated for the most part. I mean, there's nothing better than than fall golf. That's when we played our high school golf with you know, the leaves falling and you're, you're putting on pullovers and pants. Like it's, it's just a great time to be up there. Football games. Um, I, I, I miss like August to October, um, working at the golf course. Like, yeah, obviously the winters, the winters suck. Um, we lived near Bristol Mount, which was a ski resort. So, um, that was something fun to do, but like the spring's pretty miserable. Um, and that's why I'm like, I'm super curious to get up there. And I've looked at the long range forecast. Like I was kind of hoping that we were going to get the typical Western New York weather, like, you know, where it's 85 one day and then it's 45 and like possible sleep the next. It doesn't look like we're going to get that, which I find great. somewhat disappointing. I know it looks like 65 degrees and like partly cloudy. Like that is not the, that is not the Western New York that I remember. Like I remember pitching a high school game early June. So like the seasons, I'm sure it was uh, the same for you in Chicago. Like your, your school year goes into June. Like yeah. I was pitching and my fingers were bleeding because the laces were so firm and so sharp from the cold. Like that's just kind of what I was used to. And I feel like it, it's, it's not going to be the same if it's just like 65 and pleasant. Like, what is that nonsense? Also like for since really since the PGA moved to May, how many years ago was that? Like almost like five now? Four? So I think it was, I think Oak Hill was, was awarded this PGA in 2015. And then either a year or two later is when they're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're moving, <laughs> moving this thing from August to May. Good luck. So, you know, it's been like the most fun little story to bat around every, just like in passing, like every, you know, every few months. Oh yeah. That May major in Rochester, New York. And of course now. We get here and it's pretty nice weather. And I think the spring's been, I'm in Chicago right now and I'm just shocked at how many leaves are on the trees. So I'm guessing yeah. something similar there. Like, you know, I remember I was there, I was there last fall and I was asking, you know, some of the Oak Hill staff, I was like, how are we feeling on trees? They're like, oh, they're, they're going to be bare. They're going to be bare. But I think they're actually going to have some foliage, which should help a ton 
with the uh, with the coverage. Is there a is there a meal? Is there a restaurant that you are uh, you're anticipating, eagerly excited to return to at home, or is it mostly just going to be hanging out at the house? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a lot of it's going to be hanging out with the house. I haven't seen my parents all that much uh, since, unfortunately, since I, I I went to school. I will say um, we're going to Dinosaur Barbecue on Monday when I first get in. Like Re- Rex Hoggard and I, um, Mark Schleybaugh from ESPN, my dad, uh, my stepmom, we're going to go out to, to barbecues. I think that'll be great. Is that in, I, is that then- in The Rock? That's in that's in the rock. Yeah, it's like 15 minutes from from Oak Hill. And then I've I've actually made the mistake before, Andy, of getting what's called a garbage plate uh before Dino hopping barbecue. on. No, 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 no. This is this is different. So that's that's a separate entity. Getting a garbage plate, which is pretty famous in Western New York. It's like everything that you could possibly imagine on one plate. There's like hot dogs, hamburgers, mac and cheese, just like all thrown on. This one plate, and I made the mistake of hopping on a flight about an hour and a half uh, after I had one. It was a pretty um, epic adventure. So I think we're going to have to duplicate that uh, just for just for some hashtag content. So, so you're going to get a garbage plate. That sounds, you know, yeah. sounds like a an eight year old dream. A garbage plate. It's pretty. It's pretty popular. It's pretty grotesque. Um, but I think anyone who who visits visits that area uh we'll, we'll have to snag one all right well i think i think there should be a challenge to some you know willing golf journalists to find the best garbage plate it seems like something you might find at golf.com nowadays i i go over <laughs> that website and i find like hey here's a great guacamole recipe i'm like oh that's that's what i was looking for so i'm gonna have to text claire rogers and be like all right i want to see like a garbage plate challenge let's go yeah all right, let's uh let's do our 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 ceremonial five things here. I I you know, I I again haze my guest here. You have to come up with five things. I came up with five things. Uh very which, very very unique format. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the it's the I I thought long and hard about it. I'm I'm glad I was able to innovate in the space and come up with a uh a five storylines podcast. It was uh it was a great honor of mine. Uh we're actually we're we're gonna count this down in like true TV. You're a TV like formats, guy, right? So this is good, you know. I'm a TV guy when they're desperate. Let's be very clear. <laughs> oh, don't sell yourself short. You got NCAA's coming up. That's that's usually your time to shine. Uh, I do have NCAA's up uh, coming up. I had to had to beg my way back into the coverage. Very much looking forward to getting to Greyhawk for the final time. Uh, where I can stop getting a sock tan. Like it's so freaking hot on that set that like my ankles get burned. So La Costa, La Costa, here we come 2024. You'll be in, uh, you'll be in Arizona to see uh, Illinois first uh, national championship in golf. I'm excited for you. Uh, That'd be wonderful. I I mean, the storylines are a plenty like the, the, like the individual race this year is, is insane. And we're going to begin Ludwig Aberg's, uh, march towards the Ryder Cup 2023. Here we come at NCAAs. All right, let's get into it. What's it, what's your number five? I didn't really, uh, I didn't number them, so mine are going to be all out of order, but I love that you've got a countdown. So you're, no, you're number five. Uh, for, for number five for me, Andy, and I, I don't think we're going to be uh, outdated on this when this comes out on Sunday. But for me, the, the, the fifth biggest storyline is Jordan Spieth's injury. Like, is he going to play? How severe uh is the is the ailment that he's dealing with like I was I was super alarmed when he put out that tweet on 
Monday of, of Nelson week. Like he didn't say that he had discomfort. He didn't say that he had nagging pain. He said like, quote, severe pain in my left wrist. So there's so many alarm bells that go off. It's not just the left wrist. It's the use of the word severe. It's the fact that he said that he's week to week. Um, I made the point with Rex earlier this week, like you could miss time in October. You could miss time in January. Like this is just a dreadful period in the golf calendar to be suffering something like this, right? You, you have to let it 100% heal. And so I'd be really surprised if we see Jordan Spieth teed up uh, this week at Oka, which I think is a shame. You, you know, I think he's, he's playing the best golf he has since, since 2017. He hasn't had the greatest history at the PGA championship. And so just to, to kind of have an opportunity missed most likely uh, in the prime of his athletic career is, is certainly is certainly disappointing from a golf fan's perspective. Yeah, obviously, you know, the career grand slam. This is the spot. I don't think O'Kill was really a great spot for him, but he's playing really good golf. Um, and I've, it, wrist injuries are terrifying for a golfer. Like that is, I mean, when you talk about what are the worst injuries a golfer can have, like I think wrist and hand back and wrist. is like right there with back, right? Yeah. So in terms of this, it, and you know, you know that it has to be pretty serious. You know, outside of the majors, uh, the players, like the events that Jordan Spieth is least likely to miss, I think are the two AT and T events, right? Obviously, his biggest biggest sponsor, um, outside of Under Armour, and uh, a a big PGA Tour. Uh, sponsor. So those are the events that he is locked in for his hometown AT&T event. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, I agree. This is a terrible time um, to have an injury. Why is, why is, why is Oak Hill not a great course for him? I just, um, I think it's going to skew power. Um, I think it's going to skew. I think it's, I don't think it's going to be full Beth page, but I think it's going to skew that way. It'd be, you know, T3. Jordan Spieth, T three at the Beth Page PGA. That's the it's the most it's the most irrelevant T three in the maybe he was, the yeah, history I mean, he of was, golf. He was like nine back, but hey, it looks it looks good on Wikipedia. Nine back, and he five years later he had like a historic putting week. It was like one of the one of the greatest putting major championship weeks of all time, and like you have a great putting week and you still are nine back or whatever he ended up. Um, it's uh so anyways, I think it's going to skew a little bit bomber just with uh this was one of my things so I can just roll right into it. Is it um, number 5 or is it No, I, it, it's not number 5. I don't know what it is. See, it okay, it was enough. the first thing that I wrote down just because that's usually where my brain goes <laughs> to is, is golf course. Um I think it's going you know, we we're seeing early videos. I've got some insight from the ground from somebody very intimate with the grounds at Oak Hill that the rough is is very lush. Which I think was like a it's big... It's been con- great growing conditions, yeah. Andy. It's been warm. It's been warm, and now it's been wet for the past couple of weeks. I think that was the biggest concern with this with hosting at this time of year was like, how are you going? How's the grass going to be? And uh, it seems like they've had a great, great uh, spring. So the rough, rough is super lush. It's like super thick grass. Like the actual grass is really thick. It's a thick strain of grass. So I think we're going to see. You know, with these narrow fairways that can't in different directions, like it's just going to be really hard to hit fairways. And when that happens, it it becomes who can hit it the furthest up 
and um and there's some elevated greens out there so that's the other thing you have to hit it high and far and um so you start to look at it it's you know i think you're you're starting to the field of who's going to contend shrinks down to 10 15 players that's interesting because that was my number four was the golf course i remember playing it you know back in high school it seemed kind of forgettable like every there was just so many trees um i didn't like like being it's kind of like harbor town right like where you can be in the fairway but but you can be blocked out and that was that was certainly frustrating uh i didn't find it particularly memorable at least for for vast stretches of the golf course uh you guys did an amazing job but i would, I would strongly encourage anyone who hasn't checked it out uh to see the the history of oak hill and kind of what they've done with the restoration like i'm super excited to see how this golf course plays now after the restoration going back to the donald ross greens like you um, guys illustrated uh, so well, like the bunker shaping is so dramatic now. Like, I think, I don't think this is going to be a, a, a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I don't think we're going to see those, the very low scoring uh, PJ championships that we've seen in the past. Oak Hill typically plays tough. And with the density of the rough, like you talked about, like, yeah, you've got to have this thing on an absolute rope. And so if that's the case, if you need a guy who, hits it far, hits it high, is able to stop it on firm greens. Like who, who's players to you that, that fit that profile as well as, you know, currently in form. 2020 Bryson. He was, he was too erratic. I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be about like hitting it far. It's going to be a big thing, but you obviously automatically go to that Beth page. Like, Brooks, DJ, I think Rom, obviously. I think Scheff- just like brawny, big, burly dudes. I think like Scheffler will be a good it. one. You know, it, like the I always say, like the thing about Scheffler is if you're really good at everything, every course is a fit, right? Um, I think one of the things to watch, like I think you hit the nail on the head with scoring. If we're going to just talk about the course a little bit here, and I think like I I was thinking about this, I was like four to six is probably going to be the winning score if I had to guess. Duff was like, I think 10, and that was the lowest score ever at Oak Hill. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, obviously that was in August. Um, yeah, I was thinking like eight-ish. I get, yeah, I could see eight. Eight would be, I think, on the on the upper end. Obviously, PGAs tend to be around 10, yeah. you know? Um, I think the the thing is like what I'm really curious too about is like morning versus afternoon wave because and I think it'll be consistent looking at the weather but like the morning it's going to be cold and the ball's just not oh, yeah, going to go it's going to be anywhere. in the 40s yeah, yeah. it's going to be in the 40s in the mornings and the ball doesn't go anywhere in that out there at that time of year when it's cold like by this even if it's like 65 you get that kind of spring cool air breeze and the balls, it's going to play so long. I'm curious with the club. I think one of the things where you could have a higher end of, of scores, like the higher range, like where you get to the eights, the nines, the tens, is if they're like very conscientious of, of the uh, of the club pros and they set it up a lot shorter um, because there are some tees. It's nuts how far back some of these tees are like you're, you know, 13, the par five with the hill of fame. That, that thing can play so long. I think it's like six, 600 plus for the back tee. 
you know, you have these par threes on uh, three and a couple like two thirty par yeah, threes, aren't there? Three and eleven. I think one's two thirty, one's two forty five. Um, it's like those are just beasts of holes. I mean, remember, uh, remember the guy? I forgot his name. Maybe his last name was Hall at the at the the PGA Pro who was like sixty five at Harding Park who was hitting driver three wood in every green. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think we're gonna see a repeat? Yeah, I mean, like one of these. And so I think that they have to be somewhat conscientious of of the PGA pros, right? And that's where you could get a little bit. I mean, it's one hundred and fifty six guys. The the daylight like. They're not they're not fully stretched out yet. Like big long golf course, you got to get them all around. Like yeah, I could see them. I could see them being gentler. I guess over the first two days, and then just absolutely putting the screws to them on the weekend. I think it's custom, right, for the PGA to not cut the rough after Monday, mm-hmm. Monday or Tuesday. Um, so I could certainly see that being the case. So uh, that's golf course talk. Was that your number four? Was the golf course? That, yeah, it was. That was my number four. Look at this. Which. I, which I, I probably if it if it wasn't the Friday podcast, I'm not sure I'd have the golf course on. But like I watched the video and I got I got super jazzed to to be at Oak Hill next week. I think like what you said, um, just to kind of close this, is like what you said about playing in 04. I do think like the restoration has done a wonderful job of like you're going to have a much more memorable course. Yeah, because like you said, like when you have just like trees everywhere for 18 holes they all feel the same because it's like now they have just really great i mean the the trees out there are majestic those those yeah, oak trees they, they, re- they really are yeah i hope like i think actually like personally i'm i'm in a place right now where like the oak trees are budding it's more i think they're the most beautiful at that time and in late fall so you could they could look really cool with just like the the buds and everything um and and give you a little bit more sight lines. I, I, they're they're gorgeous trees, and and I think there's some. It, it's opened up some of the really nice topography at the place. Yeah, like uh, what was the memorable line in the video? Like they they planted more than thirty thousand. He lost count after thirty thousand trees. And and how many how many did you did you remove the right number? Yeah, like yeah. He, I, I don't I don't think they did anything by just happenstance or, or guesswork. Garrett cut out the historian went on about the trees, Fred Belt, and he said, he said he's like, he lost count at 30,000, and the estimate is that he planted 70,000. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is just outrageous. Like you could lose, you could lose 500, you could lose a thousand and, and not even notice. Well, the thing um, about so it I'm looking too, forward to getting up there. He grew, he grew them in coffee cans. Where did he get 70,000 coffee cans? Um, isn't Folgers headquartered around there? Was he just bulk ordering coffee cans? If you guys want, if you guys wanted to do Big J journalism, you would have asked. Yeah, this would have been, this should have been like an extra segment. Well, you can ask now. There could be a story on Golf Channel where he got all the all the all the coffee cans. I think people would love to hear that. <clears throat> I know exactly who would write it. <laughs> Now for a quick word from our sponsor, Club Champion. Club Champion is uh, it's the way I get new golf clubs outside of uh, rummaging around, uh, finding retro sets. The, uh, the way I get new golf clubs is uh, via Club Champion. I have my fitting set. I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this in ad reads in the past. I'm so excited. I have my fitting set for, uh, for Wednesday of this week. 
I'm going to go get fit. Um, and it's pretty cool. They sent me an email, a little questionnaire um, from the location, from the guy that's doing my fitting, um, asking me about goals and different things. That's the kind of the personal touch that you get from Club Champion on top of of uh, of the great stuff that they offer, which is like every major manufacturer, every major shaft, you are able to test drive everything and find the exact type of clubs that are going to work best for you. Uh, they have state-of-the-art fitting technology, state-of-the-the uh, the best fitters in golf, and what they're going to do is is get you really dialed in. You're going to gain yardage. You're probably going to tighten up your dispersion from getting fit by Club Champion. So if you use the promo code FRIEDEGG, you will get 50% off your fitting cost uh, with the purchase of a club. So if you if you go get fit, you'll get 50% off your fitting uh, when you purchase a club. Uh, one thing I would actually recommend if you're like really trying to, to get better, um, something that you don't get fit very often that could make a big difference is, is wedges. Um, that's something that people don't think about, but getting your wedges dialed in, if you can pick up like, you know, a couple feet of, of, um, you know, dispersion tightness with your wedges and you can be a little bit more consistent with distance control, that's going to make like a massive impact on your game. So that's something I would I would check out. Um, and uh, thank you to Club Champion for their ongoing support. And uh, I'll, next time you hear from me about Club Champion, you'll probably be hearing about my new sticks. So I'm excited. And uh, now back to Ryan Labner. All right, here's my number four. I'm, I'm talking about the a couple major list guys. Uh, Xander yeah. and Cantley. I did some research. I was just curious. I was like, these guys have been in the top 10 for a really long time, like perennial yeah. top 10 players. So I looked at number of weeks in the top 10. So Xander's got 187 weeks. Cantley's got 185. They're obviously best friends. It's kind of humorous to me that they're like that close in weeks in the top 10 off the bat. It's almost four years. Yeah, it's 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 an insane number. So they've spent 187, 185 weeks in the top 10. Um, that's 39th and 41st all time. Obviously, the OWGR, I think, started in, in 86 about then. So mm-hmm. 40, 39 and 41st. Pretty crazy. Like that high already in weeks in the top 10. Uh, by the in, you know by the end of the year they'll be up to like thirty four and thirty six and in their four and five they aren't falling out of the top ten um, this year so they're going to just keep going up so active players that are ahead of of uh, Xander and Cantlay are Phil Rory Sergio Adam Scott DJ uh, Westy Stenson J T Rom Day Spieth Donald Luke Donald Fowler and Bubba Watson, all right? Of of the people ahead of them that have not won a major, there's only uh, six guys. Monty, Westy, Steve Stricker, Luke Donald, Ricky Fowler, and Jumbo Ozaki. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? So what you're saying is they're in rarefied air and don't have much to show for it? Exactly. Like what you're making so much like these guys need to be talked. They're they're entering that like, you know, it doesn't feel like it, but they're entering the greatest player to never win a major discussion. Uh, They're probably they're probably a dozen or two wins behind behind 
you know, Westy for that discussion, but I, I see, I see where you're going. Like we've been in this era of like, I felt like for a while, like once Ricky fell off, we lost and Westy, you know, got old for a couple of years. We've had not a lot of discourse around, Hey, who's the great player that hasn't won a major because they're too young, but Cantlay and Xander at this point cannot be, they, they are without a doubt in the, in the crosshairs of this. I think the difference, though, is Xander and Cantlay essentially have been out there for five years, right? Like Xander didn't didn't break out on tour until the 2017 U.S. Open at, at Aaron Hills, and and Cantlay Cantlay was the exact same. In fact, like he missed he missed three years because of a debilitating debilitating back injury. Didn't know if he was going to be fine. So they've had five opportunities, or five years of opportunities, which is 20 majors. Like that's not a it's not a huge sample size to get it done, particularly when you still had, you know, the emergence of other players. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I I've picked Xander to win a major, at least one per year over the last four years. And he hasn't gotten it done. They're they're You look statistically like they're, they're basically the same prototype player. Like obviously Xander is, is longer than, than Patrick is, but like they do everything well. Yes. Like there, there's no, there's no weaknesses in their game. Now, Scotty is a tick better. Like we talk about Scotty, being a really complete all-around player like Scotty's uh it's like a is better yeah yeah exactly but like these guys are way too consistent across the board to not have given themselves more opportunities to get it done I mean what was their best what was the best chance I think it's back Xander that Carnoustie yeah uh Xander uh 2019 Masters, Cantlay had a chance there too. Like they really haven't gotten their heart broken all that many times, which I think is even more frustrating that they haven't like they haven't been squarely in the mix with a couple holes to go. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm intrigued. What's your next thing? Uh, I think I've lost track. Uh, I do uh, have John Rom written down because because we have not talked about the world number one in like genuine world beater see i didn't uh, put him was, on my five pretty historic day because how is he how is he not a how is I he not a storyline have you. him i knew if you oh. weren't if you were if you didn't Fair. have him i would have plugged him in and just brought him up you know as one of my last ones i would have kicked out one of my other ones see this is a host Fair enough but like you can't not talk about him right it, it, like so i find him really hard to write and talk about um, I think his, I think his upbringing is, is super interesting, like with the, with the club foot and then the transition to college golf was obviously very interesting, not knowing a lick of English. And now I'd put him as, as perhaps the most eloquent player, uh, on the PGA tour, but I find him hard to write about now because over the past four or five years, like it's just been a, a, a linear trajectory to get to this point. Like there hasn't been much adversity, like the, the, the issues that he had, a year ago was like moving into a new house and, and kind of dealing with the, with, with the fatherhood. And now Kelly's pregnant again. Like that's, that's kind of the challenges that he has had, but he's such an exceptional golfer. It's, but I, but I don't find him resonating yet with like the general, with the general public, which is unfathomable to me. Like I find him super interesting as a player. Like if I was, if I was a golf fan who's going out to Oak Hill, like he would easily be a top three guy that I wanted to watch just because like seeing him, seeing him hit a power fade is, is like one of the best sights in golf. Right. 
and and obviously the passion flows through him, the energy uh, flows through him. I find him compelling, but but man, he's 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 tough to he's tough to write about because he's just so damn good, and he he just wants it so damn much. I think that's like the challenging thing that like one of the things that makes golf such a uh, fun sport to watch is everybody has weaknesses and everybody has these like holes and things to overcome. Like what he we doesn't do. have frailties. Yeah. There's like no frailties in John Rahm. Exactly. He's just like a relentless force. And I'm, I'm curious with, with this year and what he's putting together, does the discourse start to become easier when he as he keeps winning like he's in this weird in-between spot where he's having historic year but you could make a comp to another player but if he gets to eight nine wins this year which is in the realm of possibilities it's you know which is crazy to say that but it's in the realm of possibilities he could win three more times right yeah then all of a sudden you get into where does this year rank all time and it's in the vj you know tiger woods level of discourse right and i think yeah. that's where he gets easier to write if he gets another major like if he wins this or lacc if he gets the three majors all of a sudden i don't think because tiger tiger for all of his thing he was never i don't think he, he's probably similar in the sense of like there wasn't that much interesting stuff to write about tiger until it became like this is historic. Yeah, he needed to be like so overwhelmingly dominant that that was that that was the story. If it's if it's if it's Rom winning five times and Scotty winning four times and then Rory, you know, picking up two or three on his own, like it's it's hard to it's hard to separate uh, those sorts of of personalities and storylines. But if he drops seven, eight, nine wins, that then yeah, you're talking about a a, a historic year. Yeah. So the other thing is like if Scotty picks this one off, right, then all of a sudden Rom and Scotty both become I think I struggle the same way with Scotty. Right. Like there's there's not a ton to talk about outside of like he's really freaking good. You know, mm -hmm. he's not like dynamic as a personality. I think he's underratedly funny. I think he's got like some you know, very interesting aspects of his personal life that with golf and how, how it relates to a sport that's like so brutal on your mental side of the game. But the thing with Scotty, I think Scotty and Rom almost need each other because that's, I think Scotty and Rom have, you know, and Rory, I would put in the same bucket. I think those are, I think those three guys probably only think about the other two guys really mm. when they think about like their, I think those guys are the, the clear, a different echelon of play. I mean, if you if 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 you beat Scotty and Rory in a tournament, there's there's a very good there's a very good probability that you're that you're going to win it, right? Yeah, or Rom for that matter. So like those three yeah. guys, when you put, I think like Rory's obviously hasn't played great the last ten weeks, but that's the way golf works, right? You go through dry spells and and heat heaters, right? So with that, like those three guys. Are, have like a really interesting ability to elevate a sport that has been void of like true stardom. Like how many big threes have we had in the last eight years? Like remember the, the Rory DJ, Ricky Spieth, yep. big four, you know? Um, yep. So we've had these, Brooks, but Brooks was in there. JT was in there. 
So we have like these two guys, especially Scotty and and Rom, are having have the potential to have like the greatest two player year in a really long time. From like really since like I mean Spieth and Day and uh and at Whistling Straits and Chambers, that was like a a great year of two guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys, if they pick off multiple majors. I think they're they're in that class because of what they've done already on the PGA Tour in big time events. And like we haven't seen a player win the first two majors of the year since since Spieth doing the double dip back in in 2015. Like I would put John Rahm as 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 the favorite, obviously, uh, for this week at Oak Hill. He's had two weeks off now, right after Mexico. Like and, and to your point about looking at a potentially historic year, like had he been able to chase down Tony Finau, like. It hadn't been done since I think 1974 of winning that many times before the calendar turns to May. Like this is this is absolutely crazy stuff. And so let's let's say let's let's look at Chris Paul. Let's say John Rahm wins at Oak Hill first uh, in eight years to win the first two majors of the year. Like U.S. Open traditionally has been his best major championship. Okay, then you turn the, the page to Open Championship. Like he has a great history, uh, links golf courses. He has all the shots. Uh, there's, there's no like the, the the way that he drives the ball is putting him in in great position. His his short game is it certainly can be Seve-esque at times. Like boy, like the, the conversation really changes if John Rom wins at Oak Hill. I, I think Scotty's going to factor prominently in that, right? And like we'll 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 get to that. But but he's he's the favorite, and if he wins it, like wow, the temperature just got turned up. I mean, I I thought it was like. Clear as day from the first tournament that he teed it up on the PGA Tour that he was going to be a a great player. Just because I remember of- talking, I remember talking to Tim Mickelson. This was the Oregon NCAA. Is that twenty sixteen? Yeah, that that was I the like- that was the NCAA's that Illinois got completely robbed, completely jobbed. Yeah, that's what that's what everyone remembers from that. Um, but Tim Tim Mickelson, John Rom's uh, college coach. Told me that that John Rom is essentially Phil Mickelson, but a better driver of the golf ball. And so, you look at Phil's skill set, which is otherworldly. You look at Phil's career, which it, you know it's already legendary, one of the top ten all time. Had Tiger not been there, like God knows who who knows what he could have accomplished. Like that's what they were talking about John Rom in college, and he has he has fulfilled all of that monster potential, which is just wild to think about. Like I think we're looking at quite possibly the greatest European golfer of all time and, and, and a player who over the course of his career could certainly win the career grand slam. Well, you brought up Phil natural segue to my next thing. The live boys. That was my next one. All right. Perfect. We got 17 guys. I counted. Is that right? That's right. 17. Or was it, or is is it 18? It's either 17 17. or 18. I went through and hand counted, so I might've missed one. You know, some of those guys, some of those names on live are are pretty obscure. And, uh, Dean, Dean Burmester is in the field. I got, I got him. I would never, ever miss counting Dean, mean Dean, my guy. Um, (laughs) but, um, they've kind of popped at the masters. I think like, you know, they had, what was it? Three of the top six players at the Masters. Three of the top six. Yep. Um, I think if you, really look at who's in the field who's who's like a potential winner it and i don't want to discount phil um but i just don't think this is the golf course for phil um phil was out there scouting early i know scouting earlier and then having lunch with amy 
It's I, you know, as much as he won, it's insane to me to think that he won two years ago. We were watching the final round together. Um, I watched you get enveloped by the swarm of people on eighteen and, and the and Tough the seat. cop and the cop, the over aggressive. I was cop. riding him like a bronco all the way to the green. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I, uh, I, I mean, it's insane they won two years ago, but really, I zero in on on Brooks DJ who hasn't done anything. No, but like I still have to put him in the in the discussion just because of otherworldly talent and. I think this is a great course fit for him. Um, and then Cam Smith. But like this is not I don't think this is a Cam no. Smith golf course. It's but, not a Cam Smith golf course. But he's a top ten player in the world without a doubt. So, you know, I just don't I don't, Is he still is he still like what what is he what has he shown you over the past five months to suggest that he's still a top ten player? I mean, he hasn't shown a lot because he hasn't played a lot, and I haven't tuned into Live Thailand and you know and such, right? So like, I I you know I just I can't discount a guy that was arguably the best player in the world last year, right? And say he's not a top ten player this year, just because we haven't seen. I mean, Cam Cam Smith was my player of the year last year. Like, if you look at the totality of his year, I think he played the best golf. I agree. Like, and who knows what happens in the FedEx Cup playoffs if he's not like going to live and had that weird WD and, you know, it was just kind of like I, c- I can't imagine playing in the playoffs when everybody knew you were leaving was very easy yeah. mentally. Yeah, very, very, very awkward. Um, You know, so to me, like and this is the thing is like Paul Casey's in the field, right? He might finish T12. That's not. He's not going to have a chance to win. I mean, I might get burned by this, but Paul Casey's not going to win a major championship, right? And that's that's why I'm saying, like, guys that have legitimate chances to win this week, I don't think there are a ton of them. Uh, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, Brooks is, Brooks is to me, a, a top five favorite, regardless of what tour he's on, regardless of what tournament uh, he's playing. I, I, I think the way that he played through 54 holes at the Masters was was no fluke. I mean, that was that was peak... Brooks Kepka playing punishing, calculating, really smart golf. Um, and I think there's little reason to suggest why he can't continue to do that. He's he's played well in the inner uh in the in the inter- intermittent time between those two major championships. But like when you go down the list, and you mentioned like three of the top six um at the Masters were were live players, like this is not gonna be a great place for Abe Answer. This is not gonna be a, a great place for um, like a Joaquin Neiman. Um, I know Mito had an opportunity to win PJ last year, but like, is has he done enough this year to to suggest that you know that wasn't just kind of like a one off? This feels like a you know I feel like Thomas Peters could play well. Uh, I feel like with Patrick Reed scrambling, uh, although he's uh, highly inaccurate. Like, if this is going to be a slog fest, right? Like, if you're looking at a winning score between five and ten under par, that's kind of right up. Patrick Reed's alley. The player, so I, I think Brooks has a like a legitimate chance to win. I'm very curious, A, about DJ, who was the undisputed number one player last year on Live, like $35 million man, and he hasn't done anything. I don't know how much the the time off affected him, right? Between uh the end of the Live season and starting up again. I don't know how much the back injury uh before the Saudi event. Um, has affected him, but he hasn't done anything. Yeah, like he's not, he, he didn't play well at the Masters. 
he hasn't played particularly well against 48 man fields uh, on live. So he's of, of interest to me and like the man of the moment, Taylor Gooch to Lord. This is Taylor Gooch's time to shine. Now we're recording this, uh, uh, spoiler alert, not on Sunday. We're, we're doing this on Friday. The live event has not started. Like it would not surprise anyone if Taylor Gooch by Sunday evening is like one, three consecutive. Well, he'd be the events. first, first three time winner in live history too. That's right. It would be a it would be a historic achievement. But like he's he's the man of the moment. Like there's there's so much dialogue about how good Taylor Gooch is, how live players are being disrespected, how there's collusion between these all these these establishers. If you're a great player, show up at the PGA Championship and show it. Like this is the best form you've ever been in in your entire career. Let's see how you do it against the strongest field of major championship golf. Like that's that's really what I want to see. I think there's not a it's not a crazy world to look at Taylor Gooch and think if he had stayed on the PGA Tour, if he would be thought of in a similar vein to Max Homa. Um, they were on a very similar trajectory. Taylor Gooch was a player that continued to improve, and if you looked at like you know what he was really good at, it translates really well. He's a, an unbelievable ball striker, right? He's great tee to green. And that really translates well to major championships. And I think that's the thing that's like, that's the hard thing with live and, and what it presents for players like Taylor Gooch, Joaquin Neiman is that it's, it's, it's unfair because there, we don't, there's no context around it, right? You don't know how to describe it. Like, okay, you went out, they're just, they're just playing, they're, they're playing in a vacuum essentially. Yeah. You went out and beat 47 guys. Like, he probably would have won a couple PGA tour events and he was playing like, you know, when he left the best golf of his life on the PGA tour. So it, it's just a, it's a tricky thing. Cause like, is there a world where Taylor Gooch, like he qualified for East Lake and he didn't play half the year. Like, is there a world that he finished fifth on the FedEx cup last year? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh, totally. Is yeah. there a world that he is the top 10 player in the world right now? If he didn't go to live, absolutely, probably like I, I think he would be a top 15 player in the world. Like if you're if you're talking like very, um, you know, I, I just think that he was on this arc that was really similar to Max Homa. They were fr their friends. Like if you look at his stats and what was happening, he was becoming a world class player before our eyes. And then he went to live. Right. And, and it's uh, and now he's won twice. He's coming in. He should be in the U.S. Open field. Um, I think that that kind of stinks that he's not. Um, and uh, I'm glad he's going to be in the field this week. So like the Masters, I think, kind of unfairly felt like a referendum on the whole live experience. Right. Like, I think it was yeah. a referendum on the, the 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 time off in between seasons, the the early schedule. Like, was that going to be? enough time and, and, and an opportunity for these guys to get major championship sharp. And, and you look at three of the top six on the leaderboard, the masters, like I think that that kind of dismissed that. I think this is actually a greater indication of, of what these guys can do. This is a prototypical major championship test and, and live has, has sent these guys to what Australia, Singapore. Now they're in Tulsa. Like they're, it, it's, it's, they're not making it a, a, an opportunity for these guys to go, if they wanted to uh, practice ahead of time at, at Oak Hill, they're going to be coming in hot on, on Monday now. So um, I'm, I'm not as optimistic that the live players will play 
as well this week at, at Oakville, which I think is very interesting because had the inverse happened, right, at the Masters, had they not have three of the top six, if it was just like a – it was a If it was a, last year. If, if, it, if it was last year and the guys completely no-showed, then I think the dialogue – uh, heading into this year's championship is, is is much more intense than it is. I think it actually took a lot of pressure off those guys. Now for a quick break from our other sponsor, Club TFE. This is a great week to join Club TFE. That is our membership uh, program for the fried egg. Uh, really what it is, is it's additional content. You're getting uh, about five uh, new blog posts a week. We have uh, a monthly member hangout. We do these in-depth course profiles every week. And then we also have a monthly member video. This week, uh, this month's member video is about Oak Hill East. Uh, I break down an architectural feature that I'm keen to see on every hole at Oak Hill East. Uh, so that will be up early uh, Monday, I think, is the plan. So uh, you can go join Club TFE at thefriedegg.com. It's right across the bar. It's $120 for the year. A great way to support what we're doing um, and really help us continue to uh, elevate and and do more content if you're interested in that. So thank you guys for the support. And now back to Ryan Labner. All right. Um, you, what do you have? One left? I have one left. All right, I got two left. I will. Uh, I'll go through this quick. Um, I'm starting to. Uh, I'm starting to like Adam Scott as a little bit of a dark horse this week. Um, so the last six. We're that's in the sixty. That's that's sixty three at the Nelson. Really got you going, huh? Well, he played really well last week too. Do you feel like you feel like we're due for an over seventy over over thirty seven year old winner? Yeah, I think we're due for like an older winner, right? We've had a, we've had a run of young winners. There hasn't been an old winner since Phil. Um and uh which was like the fluke of all flukes. Yeah, fluke of all flukes. But you had Tiger, you had Sergio, you have like you have these guys pop them, you get them still. Like they're still good enough to win if they have a great week. And you know, he's starting to play well. DJ and Adam Scott feel like really the only two guys right now 37 plus that I would I would say like can win a major. Uh, Jason Day's 35 for like the record, you know, you start to think about, but like, there's nobody else really in that bracket, that bucket that I would be like, oh yeah, they could go win it. Sergio's not in the field. Um, it also just feels like, all right, this guy has had such a crazy career, such a great career. He has to get number two. It feel, it would feel wrong if a player of Adam Scott's longevity and Adam Scott's talent level only had one. Like, yeah, he also won a Players Championship, but that was, you know, that was a, a different lifetime ago. I'm, I'm with you. I honestly have not thought about it much. Uh, who over, who over the 37 year old set could could win a major championship? I do like the way that he's playing. Obviously, like he's he's trending, heading into this golf course. The 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 putter that has kind of been the bugaboo for the majority of his career, like. It's actually kind of short up now. Like that's not a that's not a predominant narrative when it when it looks to to Adam Scott. It's more can he can he not have the round where he where he falls off? It's like he right? shoots a seventy four on Saturday. Yeah, that's what happens. So like to me, one of the things that could play in his hands is if this major ends up being like a minus six, 
Like I think when the major when the score gets to ten under in a major, that's that's trouble for him. Right? If this if this stays around six under and it's like becomes oh, he could go sixty eight, seventy two, seventy two, sixty eight and win or you know something along that lines like i guess that would be wrong that'd be even par at par 70 but you know what i'm saying like if all of a sudden that range of scores comes condensed and like a winner can shoot 73 to 68 every day and win that i think that's like the thing with him because he can make a ton of pars he can ball strike this place to death and he's great great around the greens like it just always becomes can he make enough putts but if it's that hard you know the putter doesn't become that big of a, you know, uh, of a deal. Like if you ask me who's going to have a better finish at the PGA championship, this could certainly come back to bite me, but like, I, I would say Adam Scott over DJ. Like I would, I would take those, those two players head to head. Like Adam Scott traditionally has fared pretty well. Uh, all things considered at the PGA championship, obviously varying tests, but like he's got a number of top tens uh, over, you know, roughly 20 appearances or so. Um, so I would, I would take him head to head. I'm curious to see how this weekend goes. If he can avoid kind of that slip up uh, TBC Craig ranch is going to be a different test, <laughs> right? Than 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 then Oak Hill. Like you're going to have to shoot well, 25, 30 under par. They followed the at, TPC at, at Summerlin ranch. model. So it's harder this year because they reduced the par by one shot. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't honestly have not given that much thought about it, and it's very curious to me that this is your number two storyline. It's not my number um, two though. That's I didn't number them like you. So was this was so was this your number five? Can can an old timer win? Are are we due for an old? Yeah, this would, an older. This PGA would champion? honestly be like my fifth storyline. This wouldn't okay. have been a storyline if I put Scheffler or Rom in, but I figured <laughs> you would put Scheffler and Rom in. So you know, smart. That's very that's very forward that, thinking podcasting. Is that your um, number one? Well, that's what that's what the host does here. I mean, know? we have not talked about this guy, so I would assume that he is your number one as well. And like the player I'm most intrigued by, Rory. Next week at Oak Hill, yeah, it's Rory McIlroy. It's not my number one. How how is he not your number one? How is he not the most fascinating player in in golf right now? What are your thoughts on on Rory heading into the year's second major? I I mean, I don't know. Um, I know that's, like, that's, that's, that's like the great part. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think like this golf course will set up very well for him. This is going to be a, this is a Rory type golf course, a Rory type major. You would not be surprised to see him win here. Like this, this is a, this is a golf course that plays right into what he does. Well, hands, he hits it high. He hits it far. He like is one of the players with enough speed that he can fight through rough. He can, you know, he has a great short game. His putter has been pretty good, but like, you know, um, I just think, uh, I think this is great. Obviously there's the, the big, the big uh, storyline is going to be, it's a home game for Rory. He's an honorary member. Member. I, I don't think a he's member at Oak Hill. He's probably played it like three times. I don't think he's played it very much. All right. Do you think, do you think he's, do you think he's paying his dues? I don't know if he, if they charge him dues, you know, I, I, this is like, this is like the Jason day. Uh, cool. Muirfield Village storyline, like the guy never plays there, but but sure, he's a he's a member and he has all this intimate course knowledge. Like I do not think that he, I don't think he's played there very much. I I doubt I would doubt. I don't think he likes to do the the big prep. It's it's interesting because like I talked to him uh, Riviera week and I asked him if he was going over to LACC at all, and he's like, no, I'll 
I'll I'll go there the week of, which is interesting because then you know for the Masters that means that that means you and I have played LACC more than Roy McIlroy. Yeah, yeah. How about that? That's shocking. And then for the the Masters this year, he did the big prep. I think like he's stuck where he's he's trying to figure out how to prepare for majors. It's it's this funny thing with golf, right? Like majors were probably felt so easy for him in his younger years. I mean, just rattle off four, or and and then all of a sudden it's like. Yeah, now they're hard again, right? And um, he doesn't know how to prepare for them. And listen, like, I think a lot of it is like a bounce here, a bounce there. I think that gets in people's head. Like, I remember I had Luke Donald on the podcast um, years ago, and it was like the end of the podcast. It was a total throwaway question. I asked him, like, do you have any regrets from your career? And it was like, yeah, I played I played in the final group of the Marion U.S. Open, and I watched Justin Rose win, and I played bad. And I completely blew up my golf swing because I said I need to be more like him. And these things like these small moments where like you just don't have it a day become overblown and you think you need to rework the whole way you do everything. And I think that's where Rory is right now is like he doesn't. It's really weird because he wins all these other tournaments, but he doesn't know how to approach majors. He's trying to make them feel like normal events. That seems what like the mental work he's doing with Rotella when he's talking about it. It seems like he's just like attempting to make this a normal event, but it's not. And he can't do that. Like as much self-talk as you give yourself, he's a guy that's very conscious of what's going on. He's not like, and that's the trouble of being conscious, right? Of like, as much as you tell yourself, it's just another event. It's not, you know, but he's been, but he's been, he's been fighting that battle, particularly when it comes to Augusta national and the masters, I mean, for, for years, he's like, he, I remember he tried to play his way into it. He tried to take a break. He tried to put his phone away. He, he tried, tried to juggle, to like dive, dive into it. Yeah. Like, yeah, he got, he got into the juggling phase, uh, which, which apparently did not last long. He was reading like self-help books. Like he's literally tried everything, but that's why, that's why like the, the master's performance was so mystifying to me because it actually seemed like he turned a corner. Yes. Right. Last like, year. He, like he, he described the the final round 64 at Augusta last year is like cathartic and a breakthrough. You look at the way he played the major championships, uh, the the last three of 2022. Like what's what's kind of dogged him right over over this dry spell is he's he started poorly. You know his his opening round scoring average is so much higher than the other three rounds, which suggests some sort of stage fright or conservative approach or just sort of timid play before he can finally get his way into it. By that point, it's too far behind, but you look at the, I think it's the, a the sign of somebody played. who's nervous. I think yeah. it's like no, look, yeah. legitimately like he's just like, like feeling his way out when, yeah. when a Scotty or Rom is like going to going to grab this thing by the throat. And so he, he was, he was consciously aware of that for the final three majors of the year. And he started great. Like he shot 66, 66, 67 or something like that. Uh, for the final three majors of the year, he goes into the Masters this year. Like, yeah, he missed the cut at the players, but like played great at the match play on Wednesday of Masters week. Uh, he he thought like I'm going to win this thing. Like he's he's hitting it he's hitting it great. And so to to play as poorly as he did, clearly it it affected him in a deep way because he 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 knew he was going to cost himself three million dollars by skipping. Uh, and and he kind of did the calculus and said that this is it's worthwhile for me. That that had to have shaken him to his core in in such a way that I have no idea what to expect 
this week at the PGA because that was such a a bewildering, mystifying like it it had to create some sort of existential crisis. Like I don't know what what all happened after the Masters. I I don't know you know if it was just play or if there was something that happened personally, which you know. I tend to think it might have been a combination of both of them. Um, yeah, I agree. And uh, but I do think what's fascinating is we have an all-time great player. Really, it feels like a little bit hit bottom in terms of like, which is crazy. Like his bottom isn't like anybody else's bottom, right? Um, his it feels his are like, more dramatic. It feels like a, a kind of like a rock bottom situation, and it's because of this major drought. And it's not just about the Masters anymore. That's the thing. It was the Masters because it was the one he didn't have. But now we're now. I think now, it's, now I it's, think it's any, any major. major. Right. I mean, he's so he's so far removed from winning one. I mean, he's he said it himself like I'm approaching this like I'm trying to win my first again. Yeah, like it's nine years ago. So it's almost like he's in this camp of Xander and Cantlay and players who don't have a major, which is a wild thing because we're on. I don't know what chapter of the Rory McIlroy career we're on, but we're in this like. I mean, that's it is. It's why I I think like, you know, obviously he took like an out front role with the live thing, and he's gotten more press than he's ever gotten really in his career. There's been more attention on Rory than ever before, and I think like with general fans, there is like a little Rory fatigue because like, you know, he's been so front and center, he's been so front and center. But at the same time, this is maybe arguably, you know, outside of his coming out party and like coming of age as an all time player. This is probably the most fascinating aspect of his career. Oh, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree at all. Like I, I think from a, from a writing perspective, like he and Jordan are, are, are by far the most interesting players to write about it's they're easy to emotionally invest in I, I think because they are so open and accessible like they let you inside their 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 mental fortress and and, and we're we're kind of along for the ride right and so that when you when you look at, at at rory and the explanation that he gave after or excuse me before uh quail hollow like it was easy to understand like yeah the toll of the past year finally caught up to me I'd played my way through it. Everyone thought, wow, this is amazing that this guy has taken on this dual responsibility, right? Like he's he's playing some of the best golf statistically of his entire career. And he's also on like eight hour conference calls and is is literally, literally reshaping the PJ tour. Like, how do you do it all? Well, it turns out that that's a, a burden that's a, that's eventually going to to crush even even the greatest player. And so like we're 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 riding this wave with him. I, I, I'm just, as it pertains to like next week, like I'm, I'm just curious if, if one week is enough to reestablish your equilibrium, uh, tighten up a, a ball, like a, a ball striking performance. That was, that was really poor by his standards at, at Quell hollow. And can he get himself now in a frame of mind with three majors across the next two months, like to get, to get himself across the line in, in the tournaments that he covets the most. Yeah. I, um, I, th- I would say, I think golf is such an expectation game and it's, um, I think what Rory's got going on is similar to what we saw from Brooks in, in full swing where he was talking about when he was talking about Scotty and he's like, I mean, that guy's not thinking about anything. He's just going out and shooting 65 and he's kind of 
and I think one of the things that But like we're like but we're we're two or three months removed from Rory winning in Dubai. Well, that's last what, year he was the number one player in the world. Like he's not that far removed from from that player. So I, I'm not quite I'm not quite with you that like he's at he's at rock bottom now. I think it's I think it's easy to dismiss dismiss the Masters performance as as kind of this curious one off. I, I'm I think I, I'm most curious to see if it if it lingers through the entire major season, which I think would be quite alarming. I think the thing about golf is like when you don't have it, you feel like you're never going to get it back. And I think at the Masters, he just didn't have it, and it's scary, and you don't. He had like it on he, Wednesday. Yeah, I know. He had it on Wednesday. I know. And you don't feel, and he played bad at Quail Hollow. But like one of the beautiful things about that, with pertains to Rory, is like Rory can get it back in a second. And one of the things I think that the Masters could do that could be a huge positive is that it resets expectations, and all of a sudden he comes into this, and I think like people. The general public expects a lot less out of Rory this week than they did if he had finished fifth at the Masters, you know, which it shouldn't really have any bearing. Doesn't the general public always think a lot of Rory McIlroy, like expect a lot of him? I think they do, but like, I think that like the the golf fan, their expectations for Rory now are so much lower because of what happened at the Masters than if he had finished T8, you know, if he had, you know, a non-competitive T8. Right. Um, people will be like, oh, he's he's got to be your first page favorite. And really, the reality is like missing the cut and finishing non-competitive T8 really isn't that much different. Right. It's like you played OK, you played good. Like there's some things to take away, but you never really felt it. Right. So like to me, one of the beauties, if I was going to turn this whole thing and spin it as positive, is that he's coming into Oak Hill with like way less expectation. He's your number one storyline. But the storyline is like, what is he going to play well? It's not, is he going to win? Is he going to finally end the drought? It's more like, is he going to play well? And one of the beautiful things when you're, when you're a player like Rory McIlroy is, is the bottoms never, you know, never like his bottom is better than anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't stay, he doesn't stay down for long. Exactly. And and it's not like a prolonged slump, so to speak. And the last four weeks could completely reset expectations and bring them in to the right mental framework to win a major because it's not like I need to win this. It's like, it, it's a weird thing with golf. Like expectations are just crazy. And this could be a great thing for his expectation management. Uh, I agree. I mean, he has the preeminent mental guru, like in his stable with, with Bob Rotella. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know this for fact that over the past month, they've, they've had some, some, some pretty in-depth conversations to try to get him on the right track to, to salvage uh, what is left of the major season. Obviously he wants to win the masters more than any other major, but like at this point, let's just get one man. Like let's, let's, let's get number five and continue rolling. He's still 34 years old. Like there's so much good golf and, and, and so many prime years left for him. I, 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 I do agree with your point that like next week, the conversation isn't, necessarily can this be the one that he that he wins it's more like which rory are we going to see are we going to see the rory that we grew accustomed to last year who figured prominently in every single tournament or is it the one who's kind of like a leaf blowing in the wind right now and and doesn't have a direction seems a little bit lost seems a little bit forlorn like uh, i'm really curious to see what he does next week which is why Which is why, Andy, he's he's my number one. This this isn't my number one. This is just one of my five. All right. I don't like ranking things. 
I'm more of a, a bucket guy. So this is sort of the, all the things I'm watching for. My uh, my last one. Number, you're gonna num- laugh number, one. number one is is Club Pros, isn't it? Is it no, Club Pros? No, no. I wanted. I you know I, the one I was most proud of was the Cantlay's Shawfly thing because it was it required a little research. It involved research. Yes, yes. So I felt I felt a little bit like Justin Ray there. So so anyways, um, I my last one is MLR Ball. We've heard every organization talk about this. Um, the PGA Tour is kind of doing their own research. Augusta was pretty strongly behind it. Uh, obviously, you've got USGA and RNA coming out with this ball. So you look at the all the entities. It's PGA week. We're going to see where they fall. Um, do they join in? If it's all the major championships that are behind this MLR ball, it puts the PGA Tour in a really weird situation. If they say they're kind of more in the shoes of the PGA Tour and they're going to listen to players and and you know and do their own research and think about this, then it makes it a little awkward for the USGA RNA. So it's just a it's a fascinating little wrinkle to the week. See where the PGA stands on this issue, um, and it, it could really dictate how how the MLR MLR ball discourse goes from here. I think as soon as Augusta came out and said that they essentially would support a rollback, like I think it's over. You that think put, so? That's that's the, that's the majority of the majors. The PGA really has little choice but to fall in line. The PGA Tour. As a as a byproduct of that, has little choice but to fall in line. And if, and if I'm the tour, I'd be spinning it totally differently than how they're doing it, because well, we don't know this for a fact. Like, it would not surprise me if Liv comes out on the side of like we're the entertainment product. Like, if you want to see guys hit 350 yard bombs, like this is this is the tour for you. And I think in everything the tour has done over these past six nine months to kind of restake its claim right as like the number one circuit like the destination tour in golf i don't think they have a choice but to fall in line with the rest of the major championships like if you're serious if you're a serious golfer if your aspirations are to be the number one player in the world if you want to play the most major ready regular season golf right then we're going to play the ball that you're doing at the major championships i think that's where the divide can go like one's entertainment and one is strictly serious golf only. And so uh, I, I don't think the PJ will come out in uh, overwhelming support. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's pretty clear as soon as Augusta and Fred Ridley came out uh, la- last month with their stance, like I don't think there's, I don't think these other organizations have any choice but to fall in line. See, uh, I'm I'm naturally skeptical, so I uh, I'm, I'm I'm sitting on pins and needles because I kind of think I could see the PGA z- zigging when everybody else is zagging. But like that's just you know probably me. Who's what about the wanting... ecosystem? These 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 entities have never been closer. I know it's a, well. That's why it's on my list of things that I'm fascinated about. Like it's the last. It's really the last big party in golf that has to hear from. Yeah. And, and, and it will shape how, like if they support the MLR ball without a doubt, I don't think the PGA tour has a choice. They have to go. They have to do, even if it's like tepid support Mm -hmm. for the ball, if they, if they don't support it though, if they kind of give a PGA tour statement, then which is get which is what gather we want to gather more yeah. information and see what the feedback period's like like is that what you're mm-hmm. like if, if we hear that because then all of a sudden like it's like hey well 
you know, obviously the PGA Tour and players kind of consider the players a major, right? Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. No, it's the it's the it's their it's their biggest tournament. Yeah. So they consider that. And then all of a sudden, they can make the argument of like, hey, two fifths of the majors, in our eyes, say no to this ball, or like we need to figure it out. We need to come together. And like the in two fifths of the other half of the majors are the are the people trying to institute this. Only one, like it's one versus one, right? Uh, like I just think that it's a super important um, statement. See where it falls. Um, from everything kind of I've heard, I I think I don't know. I I feel like it's going to be more PGA Tour than than Masters support. I don't think it'll be as uh, defiant because I think one of the big things is like the PGA members, the PGA membership. I don't know how they feel. And there's, you know, the PGA is an interesting situation, much like the PGA tour, the PGA has constituents and those constituents are, are very tied in with the equipment manufacturers. Like, you know, you go to your local pro shop, you understand they're tied in, right? They, you know, they Mm -hmm. interface with these guys. So like, that's, that's kind of my, my, uh, one of the things that it's just something I'm I'm really fascinated about, and it's an early week thing. It'll be done by whatever day Seth Waugh talks. Probably Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, probably Wednesday. So yeah, like I I would I would be I would be surprised if it was anything other than like tepid support. I could even see basically a non-answer answer mm-hmm. where they're they're still in the information gathering phase, and 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 we'll get we'll get back to you guys with a more concrete answer by the time the 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 feedback period is, is ending, right? Like I could, I could definitely foresee that scenario. I mean, what has to happen to advance this discourse in like, we're in this weird phase is like, somebody has got to go play with one of these balls. Like, I don't know what the USJ is doing. Like they that's have what, to like, get a freaking. That's what ball. the match should be. Yes. They have to get a ball in one of the best players hands. That's supportive of it, which isn't a lot of them. So you could probably, figure out who who the guys are that would do this but like you have to get the ball in one of their hands and be like hey can you go play with this and tell everybody that this guy's not falling you know i want to see like a a rory jt fried egg match <laughs> rollback ball versus versus jt's ball of choice well jt's personally rolled back this year it seems like he's <laughs> He's lost a few few miles an hour he's, on his yes. fastball. I think. It may- yeah, he's going. He's going the opposite direction. Unfortunately, we haven't talked about JT. Uh, I think JT, the defending champion, uh, if 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 the aim point, if he can if he can get that thing dialed in, if he can get the you know the number of digits right, um, he's he's hashtag trending a little bit as well. Yeah, that Quail Hollow I thought was really promising because he hasn't done yeah, anything. I agree. He has he has not done he has not done much over the past. Three months, but uh, the way he played for at least fifty-four holes of Quail Hollow, I thought was very encouraging. Yeah, I would agree. I like. I think like he's he's going to be a very discounted player that's worth a look. Like when you think about like, hey, he hasn't been there, he hasn't been around. But like, I mean, again, like like Rory, you're when you're that level of a player, you're you're never far away from being great again. It just yeah. takes one little. Thing to His iron play is just slightly regressed this year, but he's still, you know, top a top thirty iron player. It's I mean, it just comes down to the putting, the the, the Roms, the Scotties, the Rory when he's in top flight. Obviously, the Cam Smiths, the Sanders, the Cantleys, like all those guys putt better right now than JT does. 
but that's not to say he can't do it for for four days next week at Oak Hill. Yeah. Um, who's your pick to win? Then we'll get you out of here. Pick to win. Um, selfishly, selfishly, I'd love to see a Brooks win. That'd be fun. Uh, realistically, I think it's Scotty. Yeah, realistically, I think Scotty Scheffler's going to win. That'd be that'd be a great win too for the discourse. Um, I'm going to take Rom. I'm going out on back to back, going back to back. You you just want to? I mean, I think like anyone at this point, like I want to see, I want to see like a historic Rom page. I want to see like seven, eight, nine wins, two, three majors, like just just a full out Rom assault. I feel I feel like I'm chasing right now, and I don't like this pick because of that. Um, but like. Somehow I talked myself out of Rom for the Masters. Like after, like after Riviera, I was like, I mean, I don't know how you pick anybody else other than Rom. I mean, and he's, then he's I, blowing. I mean, he was blowing chunks at TBC Sawgrass. He didn't play great at the match play. Like, yeah, there was, there was. I think there was a little bit of reduction in value. And then I talked myself into Rory. You know, and since then I've so just been so apparent, apparently and apparently so did Rory. Yeah. So so at this point now I'm 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 going Rom. I'm set on it and. You know, I I can't be moved off the position. I am. Uh, I'm. But we're staking our claim to the top two players in the world. We're going out on limbs. You know, that's what people are coming here for. Is is the bold prediction? I'm I'm taking John Rom. If he wins, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this clip out and I'm gonna celebrate it like I was. You know, I was the first guy on the board with Rom, and everybody else <laughs> fell in line. Pick, pick the number one player in the world. <laughs> Hey, everybody can read your writing at golfchannel.com. Everybody can uh, can listen to you and uh, and the great Rex Hoggard on your podcast, Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. And right. uh, they can see you on TV, too. Are you going to be doing any live from? Uh, just early week shows. Uh, that's when we have eight or nine hours to fill. They bring, on, they bring us on uh, to kill a segment with our various storylines news and notes we always have a lot of fun but yeah just just tuesday and wednesday and then i get to kick back and enjoy this western new york uh, pga championship hey enjoy going home i look forward to uh hearing about the meals and uh look forward to seeing you at uh lacc in a couple couple weeks so thanks so much for coming on ryan absolutely andy love to do it Thank you for listening to another episode of the Friday podcast. Um, today's episode, I don't know who's going to be edited by in the, at the point of recording this. It'll either be Matt Ruches or Meg Atkins. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm leaning. It's probably going to be Meg. Uh, I know Matt's traveling right now. So uh, thank you to whomever. They're both great. They're both wonderful people. Uh, as a quick reminder, we are going to be cooking in Club TFE this week. As I mentioned earlier, we have a my favorite architectural feature at every hole at Oak Hill. Maybe not my favorite, but like an, a notable architectural feature on every hole at Oak Hill East. It's a video that we're putting up in Club TFE. That's our membership program. So it is $120 a year and you get a ton of content. You get a weekly course profile, which is a very in-depth review with photography and everything. Major Weeks will have a Donald Ross roundtable with a uh, with a few architects uh, that will also be up there, all about Donald Ross. So if you're looking for more content from us, um, if you're looking for a way to support our content, this is really the best avenue. 
uh, you can join at thefrydag.com. It's right across the top bar. It says Club TFB. Join Club TFB there, um, and you'll get all of our backdated content. So we're now up over 20 golf course reviews, so you could spend a good couple of days reading through those. Um, you know, the illustrations that Cameron Hurtis does are really top-notch in there. So I think they're alone worth the price of uh, entry. So join there and uh thank you guys for the support we also in club tfe have a, a pga championship pool going so it's a way to win uh win cash in the friday pro shop but yeah really uh really appreciate all the support and uh thank you for listening to another edition of the friday podcast <laughs>